Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. You know, I really believe that uh, even as I'm speaking tonight, I really believe that the call of God is going to come on your life. I believe the hand of God is going to come on you afresh. I believe that there's some young people here. I felt really stirred about teenagers and young people tonight um, because I used to be one. Anyway, but I really feel like uh, tonight, God's going to put something on your life that's going to change your life. Your life is valuable. You are important, but you just need to connect with cause. You just need to connect with purpose. You're not just on the planet to bide your time. You are here to be an influencer and to be a healer and a helper of those who are suffering. Hello, of those who are suffering, that's your calling. So why don't you just elbow somebody with a COVID elbow and you can grab your seat. Grab your seat. Can we just thank the team? Thank you, guys. That was just powerful. Just thank the team, everybody. Amen. I'm going to go straight to the Word. We've got to keep moving. So Compassion Weekend, and my entire my message tonight, Compassion Quake. God wants you to have a compassion quake, not a full earthquake, but your own personal quake where God comes and touches you and changes you and moves on your life in such a way that I pray and I declare you never be the same again. Never be the same again. Many years ago when God called me to leave Sydney and go to London, plant the church there, we were there establishing what became London Hillsong Church, came here to Perth. I believe where God's been sending me is actually He's been sending me to places for you because I'm actually coming and declaring the call of God over you. I'm actually here to declare the call of God, to release the call of God, and to encourage you into the call of God. Although we are a church with a calling, but there's a whole lot of us individually in this church right now. God's saying His calling is coming on your life. And your life had some purpose, but I believe that the real purpose, the major purpose of God, the stirring of God, God wants you to have a compassion quake. Let's listen to this amazing story in God's Word. It's in the Gospel of Luke. Such a powerful parable. And in Luke 10, verse 29 to verse 37, the Bible tells us that a, a certain lawyer came to Jesus, was testing him, asking Jesus, how am I going to receive eternal life? How do I inherit eternal life? So the lawyer, who's, he's logical, he's thinking it all through. He's trying to actually try and work this thing to work out how can I make sure that I'm getting into heaven and receiving eternal life. And, and, uh, and Jesus picks up on it. So Jesus begins to tell him a story, which is really a metaphor for Jesus and his kingdom. Let me read it to you now. Luke 10 verse 29, it says, talking of the lawyer, he wanted to justify himself. So Jesus asked and said, who is my neighbor? Sorry, that the lawyer said, who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Then they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He had a compassion quake. 
He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on oil and wine. Then he put the man, picked him up, put him on his donkey, and brought him to the inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Hey, can you look after this guy? And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have for basically looking after him. Which of these three, three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Jesus said. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Everybody in this story, the Bible is telling us of a man who was just attacked by robbers, which really is a picture of all of us. You've been attacked by robbers. The Bible talks firstly about the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, if you know that, but John 10.10 says that the thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy you. If you're under attack tonight, don't be surprised because you're a threat to the devil's kingdom because if you start to walk in who God says you are, you're going to help a lot of people. You're going to see a lot of people's lives changed. So the enemy attacked all of us. And this one, this guy was stripped of all his clothes, beaten. Some of us here, you've been stripped of your clothes. People beat you up. Some of you know, hey, go, hey, that was my experience. Left for half dead. And then the Bible tells us that a priest came along and uh, saw what had happened and then crossed the road. And then a Levite came along. And uh, you know that priest, by the way, he's probably in the temple every week, but somewhere he's backslidden. Somewhere he's lost passion. And by the way, everybody, do you know you cannot be in relationship with God according to the Scriptures unless you're caring for the poor? You read through the Scriptures, Matthew 25, the Bible's very clear. You actually cannot be in relationship with God, really. If you think you can, you're mistaken because the moment you get near Jesus, He's caring for the wounded. He's caring for the poor. So I'm talking about real relationship. That's a heart relationship with God. It comes and we understand, hang on, I'm actually walking with the God who stood and who stands with the broken, with the stripped, with the beaten. That's where God stands. And actually, we need to know tonight, Friday night as well, we need to know that until Jesus came on the scene, do you know what people, the wealthy would go to worship all the pagan gods. They'd dress up in their finest. They'd go and worship the gods. They'd claim their wealth and everything is because I worship this God. And uh, the poor were, well, you know, some countries in Asia, you're poor and sick because of bad karma. You did something bad. So you deserve your suffering. Well, don't you love Christianity? Don't you love Jesus? Don't tell me, ever tell me, don't ever tell me that Christianity is the same as everything else and Jesus is another good teacher. What a load of crock. Friday night, what a load of rubbish. Until he came on the scene, nobody cared about anybody. People suffered, people were suffering, and people would just say, excuse me while I step over you and be dressed up while they went to the pagan God in their finest, the wealthy. And Jesus steps into history and says, I've come to help the widow and the orphan. I've come to stand with the poor. It was radical, completely radical. The Christian walks, until Jesus got here, we didn't care about anybody. It was completely radical. We sold people. That's still happening around the world today. But at least, hello, God has these people on the earth working to rescue the slaves. But until Jesus got here, there was no rescue. 
And so the priest, he's backslidden, he's passing by. Then a Levite, he saw and went, oh, okay, I'm not helping there. Levites led the praise and worship in the temple. Worshippers and praise team, be careful. You can start out passionate through the praise and worship, but you too can lose compassion. God's speaking to all of us. You can be a praiser and a worshiper one minute and then be, excuse me while I just step over you. <laughs> uh, somebody get that. <laughs> We've all done it. And God is saying to us through this Samaritan, by the way, the Samaritan was mixed race. He was Jewish and Gentile. Gentiles are non-Jewish people. He was mixed race, the Samaritan. He was rejected. They weren't accepted. By the way, this is a picture of Jesus who was never accepted by his own people. He was rejected. And Jesus comes along, hello, in the form of the Samaritan here, and uh, takes pity on him, bandages his wounds, pours oil and wine on, and then takes him to the inn and says, I'm going to give you, he gives the innkeeper two denarii. What's that? Two days wages. His two days wages. Look after this guy. When I come back, the Samaritan slash Jesus says, I'll repay you in full. By the way, everybody, whatever you do for the children in Rwanda, when Jesus comes back, he'll repay you in full. Uh, He'll repay you in full. Whatever it costs you, Jesus says, I'll repay you. I'll repay you. The innkeeper, I'll repay you. And then he basically says, you know, take him into the inn, look after him, take care of him, Mr. Innkeeper. Everybody, what's the inn? Come into the church. This is a metaphor for the church. Come in broken, come in stripped, come in beaten, come in addicted, come in poor, come in abused, come into God's house. And everybody who's been an addict and everybody who's been broken and everybody who doesn't know Jesus, if you lie down in the inn, you'll be healed in the hospital. And then I'll get you up and then I'll place you in my army. Can I encourage everybody who's been addicted, Tenacious House, everybody else, if any of the Shalom boys are here, listen, the only way you're going to make it, I'm telling you right now, is when you get off the program, is that you get into church and you lie down in the inn. You lie down. But do you know what addicted and broken people do? Addicted and broken people, we're broken and addicted. I was totally broken. We, we lie down for two seconds. Yeah. I lie down, yes, yes, I'm doing my program or I'm doing my church thing. I do that and then we get up. I'm good to go now. Let me go and solve my own problems. And we wreck our lives because we need to learn the word that starts with H, humility. All of us need to do a word study on that word, humility. (laughs) And we need to say, God, help me to lie down in the inn. Help me to stop trying to control my life. Because all of us who are being broken, all of us who don't know Jesus, and all of us who've been addicted, we won't lie down. We won't lie down then. Jesus takes us to the hospital and says, hey, take care of my son, take care of my daughter. And we're like, Jesus goes away, he's going to come back, and we're all like, oh, thanks. I'll just watch the telly for half an hour. Now I'm off. No, you've got to lie down like I would in God's house, broken 39 years ago. Lie down, stayed. Shut my mouth, eventually. Took a while. But now, got a new life. New person. Been healed. Been whole. And now God takes me, little broken, busted kid, and goes, now I'm going to use you. So I'm no longer in the hospital. I'm in the army. But I had to lie down first. Lie down, everybody. 
Lie down. Come on, lie down. Lie down in the inn. You know, I don't know about you, but I go to bed humble, and I wake up proud most days. <laughs> Anybody else? Or is there three of us? I never say to Christians, you know, just maintain your humility. Because <laughs> here's what I say. Get some. Because all of us go to bed at night thinking, you know, I'm pretty good. And I wake up in the morning proud. Like I say every day, Lord, help me. 39 years later, to humble myself and to keep you in focus and not think I know better than you. Can somebody say amen? Listen, everybody, this is one of the amazing things I discovered about the Christian life as to why it's real. Because when I got saved, you guys all heard me. I got saved. Sue and I holding hands, and I'm like, you know, well, God, I hope you're real. Don't know if you are. Good. You can save me. Do. Come into my life. Don't know about this Christian thing, but yep, that'd be good. And uh, if you can do anything with me, that'd be good. By the way, I don't want to go to hell because I learned that in my religious Catholic school. If I can not go there, that would be good. But don't know if there's anything going to happen. If it's going to happen, yeah, please do. Amen. You know what? That prayer, I meant it. God met me and has been, <laughs> been revealing himself to me for 39 years. 39 years. But what I have discovered, here's what happens when you really follow him. If you weren't here Sunday, get my message last week. Navigating God's calling. Totally different to going to church. A lot of people go to church, no power. They never, ever enter into the calling. When you enter into the calling, here's what happens. Serendipitous things happen. That's a big word. Serendipitous things happen. What's that? Right place, right people, right time. You start following God. You're not just in the church tents, but you're in the calling. Serendipity starts to happen. Right people, right place, right calling. You say it again. Start following God, and you start to see the not coincidences. I know about those. The God setups where God starts to do things in your life that you go, oh my gosh, this is supernatural. This is serendipitous. Lord, right people, right place, right time. And you remember when my, my parents used to fight and scream and I'd try and get out of the house, but I couldn't get out of the house because I was worried about protecting my mom in case my dad lost it. And if I ever found a James Bond movie, I'd be, lock the door and just sit there and try and dream of being somewhere else out of the house. And I'd say, Lord, let me have, do, go somewhere out of this house one day. Get away from these people. And I felt like I wasn't meant to be in that family. And then last year in Rwanda, that was so funny. When I went to go to the hotel where the, Justin's brothers had chosen for me to go to. I've been there once before. But when I walked up to the room on the door, 007. And I'm like, Lord, thank you that you're letting me know that when I humble myself and when I follow you, even here, you have serendipity happening. Godcidences in the hotel. <laughs> but you know what? You can be in ministry. You can serve God for a lot of years, which I have done now. I've been a Christian for a long time. been a pastor for 32 years. But one of the things that can happen is when you've been serving God but helping people for a lot of years, you can get compassion fatigue. You can get compassion fatigue. And then you saw last week, you can tell yourself, I think I've done enough. I think, you know, I think I'm there on enough. Some of you are 20 and think you've done enough. (laughs) 
Got somebody in Zambia at the moment on a sabbatical who's about 20. I told Justin, give him a message. If anybody needs a sabbatical, it's not him, it's me. But anyway, so sometimes you can think you've done enough. Listen, God has divine interruptions for your life. Everybody, I'm your divine interruption. <laughs> Some of you I've divinely interrupted. Others I haven't got to you yet, but I'm coming down the aisle shortly. I'm a divine interruption because whatever God is doing to me, let me tell you, and you're the senior pastor, whatever God's doing to me, he's doing to you. Everybody who's part of Global Heart Church, this is what God's doing to you. If you're new to our church, welcome. You're getting a divine interruption because God's called you to it. When I'm in Rwanda, first time you saw me there, when, that was the, actually, I think, the first time there with Justin had the soccer ball. And we'd sponsored a hundred and something children, and I just went to Rwanda one time because I thought, this is what pastors do. You go, you see your children's sponsorship, and you say, amen, and you go to yourself, we're good. <laughs> and then you come home, right? Some people do think like that. I thought a bit like that then. Well, a, a lot like that. Let's go. It's, just, it's an honest moment right now, so tell the truth. <laughs> so I thought, tick, I've done the place where the children we are mainly sponsoring. And people sponsored other children around the world. God bless you wherever you sp have sponsored children. Thank you. But when I went then, and the plane as I'm leaving, my friends went to Europe. I was going on a plane back to South Africa and then to Perth. I was really tired. I was tired before I got to Rwanda on that first trip there. I was uh, emotionally tired. I just felt like I was really tired. Then the trip was really emotional too, getting in touch with what was happening in the nation, getting in touch with the people who had been through a genocide. I, I, it was the whole thing. I was just even more tired. So I get to the airport. My friends fly off, and then they say to me, uh, excuse me, this, just so everybody knows, they announced this flight will not be going directly to Johannesburg. We're going to Entebbe in Uganda. Well, I don't know Africa at all. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, where, what? How far away is that? And then I'm losing it a little bit, sort of, keeping it together because I'm a pastor. That's what we do. And, and then I'm saying to them, I got to the counter. Listen, am I going to get my flight? Because I need to go home to Perth. And this is a connect. And I'm like, and they're like, look, we think you're going to make it. It's going to be good. Got to get 10 people. There's 10 people who are political, governmental people. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. Now I'm, oh. So I'm going to Entebbe in Uganda. And when I get to Entebbe, everybody gets off the plane but me. So I'm like, excuse me, how long am I sitting on the plane for? Is this going to be two hours? Is it going to be an hour? What's happening here? My flight to Perth is back. I got to connect with that. They're like, no, we should be on only about 45 minutes and then we're up and away. So I'm sitting there. Everybody gets off. I'm the only white dude on the plane. And then everybody gets on as Ugandan. Basically, I think, I think actually, I think they were all Ugandan, got on. And then one white lady. I've got two empty seats next to me. And, uh, and everybody's filling up the front, and there's a couple of spare rows behind me, and I can see this white lady getting on. She's getting on near the end, so I'm suddenly looking and go, oh, no. That white lady, she looks like she wants to talk. So I just went. None of you have ever done this, right? So I've got the paper up like this, right? And... <laughs> And I'm thinking, she'll obviously not be sitting next to me yet, but I got two empty seats. I'm a little bit concerned, but I'm like, I've got the paper, and there's, em there's a couple of empty rows behind me. Surely she'll go there. And the woman says to me, excuse me, this is my row. And I said, oh, okay, I've got two empty seats. I said, this is 11D. I still remember it being row 11. And I said, those rows are all empty. Would you like to head further back? <laughs> 
Look, people. <laughs> At least I tell the truth. Come on now. So anyway, so I go, okay, do you want the window seat there? She goes, um, no, I'm in 11E. And I went, I'm thinking, who would say such a thing? There's an empty seat. She goes, I'm in 11E. And I go, that would be that seat there. She goes, oh, thank you. Goes in and sits directly next to me. I'm like, not really, but, but felt like it. Anyway, then I go, I can hear she's Australian. I'm like, don't be from Perth. <laughs> and then she hears me. She goes, um, excuse me, are you Australian? I'm like, oh, no. She's a talker. <laughs> so then I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's going to say, she goes, oh, I'm from Sydney. Where are you from? I said, I'm from Perth. I grew up in Sydney. Where did you grow up in Sydney? I'm like, why did I say that? Why did I do it? Where did you grow up? I sat down where I grew up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she goes, oh, my gosh, I know that area so well. And then she's in and she's like, oh. And then she goes, so what are you doing here? So I said, oh, I'm here to see um, our children. We're sponsoring probably 100-something children in Rwanda now. And so I've come to see them. And, yeah, it's been great. And I put the paper back up. So anyway, so then she, she's like, oh, what are you doing that for? What's compassion? I'm like, I can't miss helping tell about compassion. So I start telling her, and I'm thinking, all right. Then I said the wrong question. I said, what are you doing here? She was going to tell me, right? So she goes, ah, oh, look. She goes, I love Aussies, right? Such truth tellers. Look, I'm really rich, actually. I'm like, congratulations, you know. <laughs> Could you lend me or give me some? I love Aussies. Yeah, I'm really rich. I'm wealthy. So she said, yeah, I got to the end of my uh, career. My husband did too. We've got a great house right in the northern beaches in Sydney. And she goes, I thought I should do something, you know, do something for someone. So I said, oh, good for you. So I said, what are you doing? She said, well, I started a cooking school. I started a sewing school. I started a whole um, initiative where we're giving loans out to women right throughout Kampala so that they can start a business and then they repay their loan and then they got their business. So she says, I come three times a year. I graduate the students. I teach and train for a good period. And, uh, and then she goes, I graduate them and then I see how their businesses are going and blah, 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 blah. And then I said, oh, so where are you going now? She goes, I'm going to Johannesburg. I said, what for? She goes, I'm going to drive a truck from Johannesburg to Tanzania. Yeah, I got it full. I filled the whole truck with medical supplies. <laughs> She's like 58, 59, something like that. I go... Who's driving the truck? She goes, oh, that's me, mate. <laughs> so I said, wow, are you up for that? She goes, yeah, totally, all good. Got two people coming. They're going to come with me. But the whole truck, you know, northern beaches I got and went off to all the rich people and ripped them off, got all their stuff, got their money, bought the Charles thing. She goes, they got plenty of money, don't need it. So fill that truck up, take all the medical supplies over. So I go to her, what church do you go to? She goes, what do you mean? I said, what church do you go to? She goes, I don't go to church. I said, but you're Christian, right? She goes, I'm not a Christian. I went, huh? So my brain has just fused. <laughs> my brain's fused. I said, you don't go to church. She goes, no. I said, are you not a Christian? She goes, no. And then she goes, why are you a Christian? So I start to tell her. Here's the thing, I've got to cut it short, real short, though. But I began to tell her, I got saved on the story of Moses. That's how I came to Christ, how Moses... Although his mother floated him on the Nile. He was actually Hebrew, grew up in Egypt, under Pharaoh's nose. God positioned him in the palace. That story just spoke to me about how I felt 
awkward in the family I was in. There was something more for my life. So I start telling her that. Anyway, while I tell her, she starts falling into the wind, window going, oh, my gosh, something's happening to me. I'm like, what? So she says, I feel so, I feel so hot. I feel overwhelmed. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I ring the buzzer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, put the paper down. So I said, excuse me, my friend here's having like a, she's like not well. So could you get some ice and some water and whatever? And they're like, okay, air hostess goes down, comes back up. And then she says, oh, tell me some more of the story. I start telling her more. And then she goes, oh. I'm like, um, it looks like we're having a lover's tiff on the plane, which looked really bad as well. Looks like we're having a fight. Listen, here's what's happening. As I'm telling her the story of how God saved on Moses, the Holy Spirit was touching her. She's getting hit by God, starts falling into the window. And suddenly I realized, oh my gosh, every time I'm telling you this story, you're getting hit by God. So I said to her, why is this story touching you? She goes, you won't believe this. Guess what they call me in Uganda? I said, what do they call you? She said, Mama Moses. And she said, I don't know what they're talking about. And you just told me the story and something's, I just feel so hot. I feel overwhelmed. So anyway, so I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, hearing me with my paper up, too busy, too tired, got no margin in me. And God's saying, create margin. So I end up talking with her. Yeah, I end up talking with her. I end up talking with her. And then I said, is it okay if I pray for you? And she goes, yeah, okay. So she wasn't, you know, but she's like, yeah. I said, look, I think God put me here because he's very proud of you. And I said, can I just say on behalf of all of Australians, I said, all of Australia, I'm so proud of you. I'm just proud to meet you. You're an absolute champion. Thank you for what you're doing for all the people in Uganda and the ladies particularly. It's amazing. I'm just, wow, you're, you're incredible. Thank you. And just choosing to do that when you don't have to, I said, it's an absolute honor to meet you. And she said, thank, she's like, thank you so much. And then uh, I said, is it okay if I pray for you? She's like, yeah, as we got near Johannesburg, I prayed with her. I said, hey, here's my card. And I said, when you become a Christian, can you email me, text me? I said, because God's on your case, Mama Moses. She said, thank you, Pastor. I will. We had a little hug at the airport. And then she went off to drive her truck. Okay, now listen to this. I sat down. Here's my discussion with the Lord. Lord, wasn't I good? I ditched the paper. I never even got to read it. But I just went straight into ministering to that broken lady. <laughs> Wasn't I good, Lord? That was very clever of you, God, to put her next to me because I was able to go straight there. You know what the Holy Spirit said to me at Johannesburg Airport in the waiting area? He said, I didn't put you on the plane for her. I put her on the plane for you. Straight out, I would never think of that. I knew it was the voice of God because I, huh? I was totally lost. You know, some of you may be straight on to what God says to you. I'm always like, you know, a bit clueless for about, I don't know, a while. I was like, what? I'm the one who put the paper down. She did nothing. <laughs> God says, I didn't put you on the plane for her. I put her on the plane for you. I said there for half an hour, like, that's crazy. What does that mean? Half an hour later, I heard God say to me, Jared, she doesn't even know me. 
And look what she does for me. But you know me. Everybody, there's a whole lot of people who don't know Jesus, who don't get it. Until you know better, you can't do better. But we know Jesus. You know Jesus. And God didn't just put her, put, put her on the plane for me. He put her on the plane for Global Heart Church. God put her on the plane for Global Heart Church. God put her on the plane for you. <laughs> and God said to me, I want you now to look up James 1.27, which I had a vague remembrance of, that true Christianity is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And God began to, for the next year or two, continually speak to me about true Christianity, James 1.27, is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. I get home, and uh, three weeks later, I come into the office, and a guy arrived here at the church, Steve, and he gets out of his car, He's an American guy who's got a connection with a friend of mine. He's got a, the driver of the car gets out in his T-shirt three weeks later, almost to the day, James 1.27. And I'm like, you know, Lord, am I that thick? You've really got to put people in T-shirts to ram it on home. <laughs> really ram it home here because I'm that. Everybody, let's not be the priest who walk past. Let's not be the Levite who walks past the children. Let's not walk past, oh, shame you are in lockdown and COVID and extreme poverty. We need to say, Lord, help us to stop. Help us to stop. And Lord, help us to minister the oil, the wine, the healing. Do you know what the greatest thing you can ever do for yourself? Listen, everybody, is forget about you. <laughs> the greatest thing you can ever do for yourself is forget about you. You are limiting your life and limiting your healing and limiting your potential because you're the center of everything. When I began to forget about me, doesn't mean I don't count, doesn't mean I'm not valuable, doesn't mean I can't take a day off, doesn't mean I can't be blessed. God wants to bless me. But he said, Jared, stop making you the center. You need to make me the center and my purpose and my calling and I'll take care of your life. Everybody, forget about you. God can look after you better than you can ever look after you. Come on, God can look after you better than you can ever look after yourself. Come on, God can look after you. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.